with what God is saying now. Say it with me. What is God saying now? So the same way that we know we have to update our iPhones. When I say R, I mean you. Because I don't use an iPhone. In order to maintain uh, ongoing functionality, we got to take these crucial updates. Well, the same way we have to make sure that we remain updated with the intel that comes by revelation of the Spirit so that we can remain in alignment with the intention of God. Y'all got that? So that's one of the most important things in our lives. This, the, this also means, or this dictates, God's will concerning us must be primal, a primal concern concerning our lives. We can't afford to operate on expired initiatives of the Godhead. Amen. And what I mean by that, somebody shout, there are some things that are time sensitive. Oh, come on, somebody. There are some things that God told us to do, and there was a window of time in order for us to do those things. Amen. There are some things that God said to us that is going to be ongoing or it may define the whole of our lives. But even though God has given you a word that defines the whole of your life, it doesn't mean that you will always do what God said the same way. Sometimes it's not the thing that's changing. It's the way to do the thing that changes. Y'all hear what I just said? Sometimes it's not the thing that God said that's changing. It's the way to do the thing that changes. Right? We learned a long time ago, and we taught many times, that even though the message is sacred, the methods are not sacred. That's why we talked about on yesterday, we talked a little bit about adaptation. We talked about the willingness to adjust and to be flexible so that we can continue to move with and operate with the Spirit of God. And so even though we, we may have a prevailing word that is over our lives, a general principle, a general umbrella over our lives, and many times God updates us in order for us to remain effective, God's got to give us a new revelation on an old thing. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody shout, I need a new revelation on an old thing. Amen? So we need to know the thing that God is working on. We need to know the thing that God is working with. And we need to know the thing that God is working through. What is God working on? What is this agenda? What is the project? What is the focus? We need to know what God is working with. What are the mediums through which God is getting his will done? And what is God working through? What is the vessel? What is the instrument? What is the instrumentality? You got that? So that's how we follow the preceding word of God. Now, in order for us to follow the preceding word of God, we must also develop our faith walk. Our faith life must be developed. And what that looks like for us as believers is that in the faith walk or the faith life, write this down, God defines everything. God defines everything. You know, I want you to think about this. Most of the battles that go on in your life as a believer is over definitions. Oh, somebody said definitions matter. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons the enemy targets the mind, the battlefield is the mind, is because he wants to be the one who narrates how you define things. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why Jesus said, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear, why? Because the enemy wants to define life as a struggle in order to lock you into scarcity. And so the same way, when we accept that God will give us, God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Somebody shout definition. God gives us a mental definition that equates to prosperity. 
Why? Because he knows that whoever defines things to you, will their, their will will be made manifest in your life. I'm going to say that again. Whoever defines things to you, it is their will that will be manifest in your life. Somebody shout, definitions matter. That's one of the reasons that he's given us 66 books. Almost 40,000 uh, verses. Why? Because, say it with me, he wants to define everything. You know, we serve a self-revealing God. So he always wants to define things according to the revelation of himself. As a matter of fact, that's what defines a dispensation. A dispensation is defined by God's revelation of himself to mankind. So God wants to define everything. In order for us to live this life that is following the preceding word of God, we must develop our faith life where we allow God to define everything to us. Y'all got that? In other words, we say within ourselves, say it with me, things are as God said they are. Now watch what the Bible said. We look not at the things which are what? Seen, but the things which are what? Unseen. So we're always looking at the unseen essential in everything. We're not defined by what's going on in the American economy. We're not defined by what's going on in our neighborhood. We're not defined by what's going on. Uh, anything in this lower level, it doesn't have a right or the power to define us. We're not defining the importance of our mission by how many people came in the room. We're not defining anything by, uh, by anything other than what God said. Amen. We're staying in alignment with what God said. Amen. You know, I, I, I have to applaud Dr. Catherine, and here's why. Because I remember when I first started Manifestation, right? And literally, I start, I was doing, I was literally in a garage, all right? And, and when we started the Bible study, I had three little girls who had the same last name, Wings. They were the three daughters of, of one of the uh, elders, formerly elders of our church. And literally when I started teaching and preaching, he went and got his three daughters and sat them down in front of me so pastor would have somebody to talk to. I didn't preach any different then than I preach right now. Now why? Somebody shout because I'm a small part of a big thing that God is doing. Come on, say it with me. I'm a small part of a big thing that God is doing. And what God does is God will test you for the big by seeing how you operate with the small. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling right now? And there are so many people that, that think that they will operate at a certain level when they get to a certain capacity, when in reality, however you operate right now defines your capacity. You're telling God what you can be trusted with by how you behave when you only got a few. Watch what the Bible says. He that is faithful over what? Few things. God makes what? Ruler over much. Faithfulness is the key to rulership. Rulership is speaking about another dimension, another domain. So I was literally, I had three little girls, right? Wasn't even, one of them I think was a teenager at the time, right? I would sit out my teaching material like they were going to buy something. I preach, I do my whole sermon. Though I never cut anything short because it's only three. Oh, come on, somebody. I always started on time. Why? Because I want to set the tone on how my organization is going to run. I'll tell you right now, we have two services, 8 a.m. and 10.30. And I love, I walk in the pray, I walk in our sanctuary, big sanctuary, right? My praise team gets it. Because 8 o'clock sharp, they're on the song. 
7 a.m., the intercessor. I don't care if there's nobody in the building. 7 a.m., the intercessors are on it. I don't have to remind them. I don't have to, I don't have to correct anybody over it because they understand we are a small part of a big thing that God is doing, and we have to treat it like it matters to us. Okay, man, somebody. So now watch this now. So we got to develop our faith life in order to continue to walk in or follow the preceding word of God. We've got to come to a place where God defines everything, where we believe that things are as God said they are. And the only thing we are referring to is what God said. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's what this life looks like. Somebody shout, I got to learn how to trust God. You know, there's a verse of scripture that says, let patience have her perfect work. Anybody ever read that? Now, I want to give you some definition because I believe that as we have definition, we're able to live more effective lives, right? The perfect work of patience is coming to a place where I trust God completely with my process. Have you ever wondered, what does it mean to let patience have a perfect work? The perfect work of patience is me coming to a place where I trust God completely with my process. It doesn't have to make sense. Amen. Come on. It doesn't have to add up. Amen. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to initially look like everything he said. I trust God completely with my process. Come on. His will may throw me into discomfort, but I trust God completely with my process. Amen. Amen? We run into some strange creatures walking with God. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. We run into some strange creatures walking with God. But somebody shout, I trust God with my process. Then you find out, you find out that there are many times that God allow the worst to happen in order to get your ability to be threatened out of your soul. Y'all did not hear what I just said. I said, God will allow the worst to happen so your ability to be threatened will be removed from your soul. You know, it's like when they would talk, remember they talk every day about terrorism, right? And I would tell our church, terror, terrorism is not terrorism if you cannot be terrified. Amen. Hello. Oh, hello, somebody. The Bible said there is no bad news to the believers. Somebody said, I cannot be terrified. Now, here's why. Because I believe no matter what happened, I'm going to land exactly where God wants me to be. Amen. The worst thing that can happen is I go to heaven and I don't have a problem with that. Amen. So there's somebody shout, there is no fear in love. No why? Love. Because perfect, perfect love cast out. It violently evicts all fear. Somebody shout, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. So another way that we walk in this proceeding, in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, following the preceding word of God, somebody shout, I've got to live fearlessly. I've got to live fearlessly. Why? Because fear serves no purpose in the economy of God. That's why Jesus, every time Jesus showed up, he said, fear not. Why? Because fear serves no purpose in the economy of God. Amen. So we have to learn to trust God with our process. We got to learn how to abandon ourselves to God's will as we perceive it to be. You understand that? Now I'm going to ask you a question. How many of us want to be in God's will? Raise your hand if you want to be in. We want to be in God's will, right? Anybody out here? We're not trying to live in error. Isn't that right? We're not trying to be on the wrong side of God's will. We want to be in God's will, right? Now listen to what I'm going to tell you right now. This will be probably the most important thing you hear today. As long as you want to be in God's will, you never have the fear of missing God. Y'all did not hear what I just said. As long as you desire to be in the will of God, you never have the fear missing God. 
Now here's why. Because God knows the heart that wants to be in his will and he'll always reroute you to his God, his will because you want to be in it. So there is no fear in love. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, I asked my church this, and, and some of them hesitated. I'm going to see if you hesitate. I said, how many of you have ever gone to the mall and did your best to lose your kids in the mall? <laughs> I think my mic is going out. Lose battery is going out. And anybody? How many of you have ever gone out, went grocery shopping, and tried your best to lose your kids at the grocery store? You, right? Nobody's going to admit it, not right? <laughs> So, so you have never, think about this, you have never, just a moment, amen, so you have never intentionally tried to lose your kids in a public place, isn't that right? Why do you think God wants to? Think about this. I want you to ask somebody, are you a better parent than God? God doesn't have any interest in you missing him. God's not trying to lose you. Matter of fact, if you're, if you're in a public place, you're in a mall or you're at a store, and for one moment, your kids get out of your sight, what do you do? You, you, call, you call their name and you start going toward the last place you had them. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you a better parent than God? So what will God do if you get off course? He will call your name and start coming toward the last place he had you. God has no interest in losing you. And if you're going to walk in the preceding word of God, how many believe your steps are ordered by God? Come on, how many believe your steps? Then take the steps. Oh, God, help me. Think about what I just said. If you honestly believe your steps are ordered by God, elbow somebody, tell them, then take the step. Then just take the step. The only thing you can lose in the process is your fear of being wrong. The only thing you lose in the process is your fear of being wrong. You understand that? You know, what if I fail? Then you'll learn. It's like operating in the gifts of the spirit, right? What if it ain't right? Then you'll learn when to only speak when it's right. <laughs> you understand that? So that somebody shout, there are no losses. There's only learning. Oh, come on, somebody. There are no losses. We are called overcomers. That means no matter how this turns out, we win. Somebody, anybody read the end of the book? Let somebody tell them we win. End of the book, we win. So there are no losses. There's only learning. Amen? And the biggest problem is not when you fail. The biggest problem is when you are too afraid to learn through failure. That's the problem. Y'all got that, believers? Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at this example of following the preceding word of God. Genesis 12.1, if you're there. Amen? It says in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get thee out of that country, and from thy kindred and from your father's house unto a land which I will show you. So now watch this now. So walking in the preceding word of God, it involves sacrificing the familiar for the uncomfortable. Amen. Think about that. Abraham had to leave what he was comfortable with in order to fulfill the word of God. 
Abraham also, you know, when you leave a certain region where you've always been, you also leave your proficiency behind. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. Because when we've been somewhere a long time, we get good being there. Hello, somebody. Problem with that, we get so good, we don't need God. Y'all did not hear what I just said. So God's will throws you into an uncomfortable situation so you know you need God again. Somebody say, I need God again. But this is what it looks like to follow the preceding word of God. Verse 2, he said, and I will make you a great nation. Notice Abraham had never prayed, please make me a great nation. Oh, my God. It, 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 it wasn't on his mind becoming great. It was on God's mind for you to become great. Y'all hear what I just said. Tell somebody, it's on God's mind for you to become great. He said, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Y'all got that? So now watch this now. So true greatness is attached to the stewardship of your influence. That's what it's really attached to. He said, I'm not going to just bless you, but I'm going to make you a blessing to many nations. Watch this now. Whatever God wants to do for you, he also wants to do through you. Praise God. Oh, my God. He didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and that's just it. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'll make you a what? I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. Whatever, say, whatever God wants to do for me, he also wants to do through me. Now, the key to continuing to be used by God is don't let the blessings stop with you. Praise God. Amen. Oh, my God. As long as you, listen, if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. As long as you're a channel and not a dam, then God will continue to work in his, and work through your life to manifest his will. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, I'm a conduit. He said in verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curse thee. And in all in thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all got that? Now write this down. God will protect his investment in my life. There's another reason we should fear no evil. Amen? Amen? Because God has covenanted with me to protect the investment that he has made in my life. God has covenanted with me to protect the investment that he has made so that I might be a blessing to other people. Amen? Amen. Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot with, with him, and Abraham was 75 years old. Look at my temper, it's not too late for you, right? And he departed out of Haran. So Abraham left in obedience. Y'all got that? Amen. Think about this, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Abraham left in obedience. But watch what happened in the verse. Lot went for convenience. Two different things going on right here. Two different things going on right here. Write this down. Nothing done from convenience will last. Amen. Nothing done from convenience will last. Why? Because my calling starts with obedience, not convenience. And that's the difference between Abraham's movement and Lot's movement. Abraham was moving on a revelation of God's will. Come on, somebody. A Lot moved in order to make it convenient for him stand with somebody God was using. There's two different movements that are going on here. So whatever you do for convenience, it will not last. Y'all got that? But if you obey God, which involves sacrifice, that which is built upon sacrifice will, will be established normally for generations. Y'all got that? So eventually Lot had to leave. Why? Because he was there for convenience and not covenant with God. 
Now, another thing that we have to do, and we're going to look at this in Genesis 22 is where we're going. We need to make sure that if we're following the preceding word of God, write this down. I must never fall in love with the promise. I must never fall in love with my potential. And I must never fall in love with prophecies. I must never fall in love with the promise. I must never fall in love with my potential. And I must never fall in love with the prophecies. And I see people that are more in love with prophecies from God than they are God. Oh, come on, somebody. More people get caught up in their capacity, their potential, than in God. Those things. Watch it now. uh, uh, It's about God, not how God uses me. Oh, come on. It's about his will in my life more than it is anything else. So look at Genesis 22. And we're going to get an illustration of the fact that our focus, no matter what God has spoken over my life, no matter what has been prophesied, my focus needs to be remaining obedient to the proceeding voice of God. Amen. 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 Genesis 22, 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. He said, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I will tell thee. Somebody shout, this does not make sense. Now write this down. If it's not making sense, it's making faith. And anybody dealing with something that don't make no sense? It's making faith. This is is to get us to stop trusting in things that we call sure and predictable. And start trusting in the word of God, trusting in the will of God, and trusting that whatever God says, God will also perform. Verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clayed the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Now watch this now. Write this down. Abandoned obedience does not have to make sense. You know why some of us can't walk with God? Because you need everything to make sense. Amen. Oh, my God. This is why some of us right now have a hard time processing, progressing in the kingdom of God. Because you need everything to make sense. And I, 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 I feel you because I used to be one of those people in my rational mind adding everything up. And I'm telling you right now, your, tell somebody, your rational mind ain't going to work in the kingdom of God. There are plenty of times God told me to do things that did not make sense. It was making faith. It was developing a person that could be led by the Spirit of God. Y'all got that? Just the opposite of what the world was doing. Just the opposite of what conventional wisdom would say do. Y'all got that? Because it wasn't about it making sense. It was about hearing and acting upon the Word of God. So abandon obedience. And then I want you to notice in verse 3, Abraham got up early to obey. Hello, somebody. Some of us would have been sliding in a little bit late. <laughs> a little bit late. We waiting, we waiting until afternoons, hoping God changed his mind sometime between now and afternoon. Look at verse 4. All right? Actually, we won't go to verse 4. So abandon obedience does not have to make sense, right? Knowing that God knows best and is working to bring his best to pass in your life is faith and confidence. Y'all got that? And God, watch this now. This is another key from this verse I want you to get. God loves when we are quick to obey his will. 
Look at somebody tell them, uh, uh, with the quickness, right? God loves when we are quick to obey his will. Amen? We no longer need everything to make sense. We no longer need everything to add up. Got that? Because we trust that our times and our seasons are in his hand. We trust that he's working out, you know, it's sovereignly. You know, I was talking with somebody this past week, all right, and they just married somebody. And this particular person they married, he wants to go to a certain church and, and she wants to come to our church. She came to meet with me, I'm like, you going with your husband, you ain't coming here. And <laughs> she's like, I knew you were gonna say that, right? I like, and this is what I said to her and I posted this today as well, I said, why would you marry somebody you don't believe could be led by God in order to lead you? Yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I'm not finna encourage you to be out of order, even if it benefits me. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Yes. No, you follow, you follow your husband. Now, and this is what I said to them. This is why I brought this up, right? Because what I said to them is this. I said, you have to trust the sovereign plan of God. Wow. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. So I said I do, but God has something behind the I do's that had nothing to do with you. Which means God has an agenda behind your decision making. Y'all did not hear what I just said. You are never, you, you can't outsmart God. You ain't gonna never get ahead of God. And every mistake you make, God's gonna make sure something he wanted to get done, get done through your mistakes. Somebody shout, he's sovereign. And that's what sovereignty looks like. In the kingdom of God, there are no wasted experiences. Y'all got that? God said, I'm gonna teach you to uh, uh, never to move without hearing my voice again. You gonna learn today? <laughs> Somebody shout, he's sovereign. Now, and he's been trying to teach you that lesson, so he said, I'm gonna wait till you marry somebody. Oh, God, help me. Now, what am I saying? In the sovereignty of God, whatever his agenda is, he will do it through my obedience or he'll do it through my ignorance. Y'all did not hear what I just said. He'll do it through me hearing him and acting on what he said, or he will do it through me making decisions without regards to his will. Y'all did not hear what I just said. God's going to get what God, God is going to get the point that he want made, made in your life. One way or another, God's going to get his will done in your life. Y'all yeah. got that? Yeah. Now you get to decide whether it's going to be pleasure or pain. That's what you get to decide. <laughs> Somebody shout, there's joy in obedience. Hello, somebody. You know, there, there are some of us, you really walking with God, you realize it's going to be through pleasure or pain. You're going to experience the joy of making sacrifices and obeying God and then seeing the fruition of what God said. Or you're going to go through some an unnecessary drama to get to what God said. Amen. And that's how it happens. That, that's how it happens in the sovereignty of God. Amen. You got that? Yes. So let me give you these final thoughts. And, and are we doing a Q&A today? Yes, sir. All right. So I'm going to give you these final thoughts and then we're done. Number one, when you treasure your audience with God, you will guard against even your own deviance. Amen. Oh, my God. When you treasure your audience with God... You will guard against even your own deviance. What do you mean by that? You'll make sure that you, you will literally, you will literally stand in the way of you doing something that keeps you out of the will of God. Amen. Hello, somebody. You're looking in the mirror and rebuke yourself. Yes. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> 
Here's the second thing. The rule, there's a rule of committed subjugation to God's will. And what that rule says is this. Somebody shout, he directs, I submit. That's the arrangement. The rule of sub committed subjugation to God. He directs, I submit. That's the arrangement. Notice nowhere in the rule are your feelings. <laughs> Hello. Because I see a whole lot of believers. The new believer has to feel things. Come on, somebody. This modern believer has to feel everything. They got to feel their way. You got that? And that's not how I work with God. You don't need to feel anything to operate by faith. Absolutely nothing. Amen? I'm going to tell you something else about God. He's not emotional and temperamental either, which means he don't need you to feel great about obeying him. Obeying him. Amen? All right? Uh, I, I taught our church recently. You know we got this book on the five love languages. Y'all done read that? Tell somebody, God's love language is obedience. <laughs> Learn that now. His love language is obedience. God don't need you to feel nothing to obey him. Y'all see that? Look how Jonah glorified God mad. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Jonah went to Nineveh and preached to Nineveh, and he didn't like them at all. He went and obeyed mad. And God didn't care if he was mad at all. God said, I want the mission done. You either going to do it or die in this will. <laughs> it's literally do or die. <laughs> and Jonah was, when Jonah finished the mission, he got mad because God's will was accomplished. Y'all did not. He got mad because Nineveh repented. Because you know what Jonah said? Jonah wanted all of them to die. Now, historically speaking, Jewish historians say that the Ninevites were responsible for the death of Jonah's family. So you can understand, he didn't want to preach to them. He's like, they can all go to hell, right? He didn't want them to repent. He wanted the judgment of God to fall upon them. So that's why he went the other way from God's will. Y'all got that? But your, tell somebody, your reasoning cannot keep you from God's will. Come on, somebody. And God, even if you have a good reason to obey, it's not good that you do. To disobey. Y'all got that? So Jonah fulfilled God's will mad. Oh my God. And here's the thing. God didn't care that he was mad. God only cared about him obeying. Uh, so God does not need you to feel great about doing his will. Now here, let me help you out. You need you to feel great about doing his will. Hello? You need you to feel great. Why should you disease your existence over something your creator already chose? Y'all got that? But now you see how Jonah let human reasoning. Come on, somebody. You're supposed to be mad at the people that hurt your family. He let human reasoning stand in the way of a divine agenda. And never do that. Never let human reasoning stand in the way of a divine agenda. See that? I ain't talking to them because they spoke evil of me. Well, God gave you an assignment. So you got to decide, are you concerned about the evil they spoke concerning you over the assignment God gave you concerning their lives? You don't let human reason stand in the way of a divine assignment. Amen. My God. You know, it's like people that literally, I've seen people that somebody killed uh, their child. And did the same person minister Christ to the one killed their child? Why would you want to see somebody saved who has caused you the most pain a parent could ever experience? Because they didn't allow human reasoning to stand in the way of a divine assignment. Y'all got that? 
And that's what we must do. We must learn that rule. Number three, we need to, we need to understand the established lordship of God. Somebody shout, he's Lord. Now, what does that mean? That means he calls the shots. Come on, somebody. That means he's the one governing things. He's governing, I'm yielding. Say that with me. He's governing, I'm yielding. The most important thing you have as a believer is your ability to hear and be led by the Spirit of God. Literally, that's the most important thing you have as a believer. And, hello, not your prophecy gifts, not your prophetic gifts. Hello, somebody, not your healing ministry. The most important thing you have as a believer is your ability to hear and be led by the Spirit of God. Number, now here's number next. I don't own me. I don't own me. I'm not the owner of me. Bible said that I'm bought with a price. Therefore, I am the glorified God with my body. Now, here's the good thing about not owning me, and I love this part. Since I don't own me, I'm not responsible for taking care of me. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Because I'm his, he's covenant with me to take care of all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Y'all got that? And lastly, in order to follow the preceding word of God, we need to acknowledge occupation with God. This is what the Bible said. We are co-laborers with God. We are working with God on God's agenda. You understand that? We are working with God on God's agenda. It's not about my will. It's about God's will being done in my life, in my lifetime. Amen? So man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded. Say proceeding word. Proceeding. Right? The word. Think about this. God told Abraham, kill your son. Go and sacrifice your son for me. Right? It was a test. And on the way to obeying, in the process of obeying, God said, wait. And there was a ram caught in the thicket. Right? Some of us would have killed Isaac because we heard God. <laughs> somebody, somebody shout, am I hearing God? You can't afford to just have heard God. Are you hearing God? So you don't kill Isaac. That's the preceding word of God. Somebody shout, God has something else to say to my situation. Oh, come on, tell somebody, God has something else to say to your situation. Now, why? Because your situation is dynamic. Because the world around you is changing. Because, think about this. There are needs now that you didn't have 20, 30 years ago. Think about the needs that are being created for people all because of the advent of technology. Yes, yes, wow. There are words being made up. Every time a word is made, being made up, a new need is created. Yes. The need to define it, the need to diagnose it, yes. and the need to deal with whatever happened because you made that word up. <laughs> so the same way, God is always saying something else. And the question is, are we postured to hear what God is saying now? You understand that? Our ability to hear God as he continues to reveal his will is what makes us who God continues to use. Y'all hear what I just said? Our ability to hear God as he continually reveals his will is what makes us the individuals that God can continue to use. God never told you to retire. Oh, God, help me. I'm going to say that again. The Lord told me to retire. No, he did not. Now, he may have told you to stop doing the work you was doing. Hello, somebody. Oh, he may have told you to stop doing the work you were doing. 
Your boss man told you that. But he never told you to retire. Somebody said it's time to refire. The, the question is, how is, going to, how is God going to use the balance of my life? Oh, come on, somebody. Because I will not confine myself to a rocket chair. How is God its confinement? How is God going to use the balance of my life? God never told me to retire. Now, God may have told me what to do next. Come on. What is, the high, what is the best and highest use of your time now? Who can you help now? Come on, somebody. Now that you know exactly what people ought to do. Come on. That's the beauty of old age. Now you know exactly what people should do. <laughs> Who will benefit from that knowledge now that you know exactly what not to do? And then that's how you, you hear God and you determine what is the best use of this knowledge that I've gained over these last 60, 70 years. What is the best use of this knowledge? God, how will you, here's a question you should pray. God, how will you use this knowledge that I've gained over the last 70 years? How will you use this knowledge now? Who do you want this knowledge to be used to benefit? Now, you know what many of us do? You know what most people do, I should say? They assume how they should use old age. They never ask. Come on, somebody. Don't assume. Ask. Barbara said, ask, and it what? It shall be given unto you. If any man lack wisdom, what should he do? Ask of God, who gives liberally. So God will show you the highest and best use of your time at this present stage of life. And I guarantee you, it will not be sitting by a lake in a rocking chair for the rest of your life. I guarantee you, you will not find that to be the will of God. Hello, somebody. Tell somebody, God has no plans on taking you out of circulation. Hello, somebody. God, God has no plans on taking you out of circulation. Why would God want to be less glorified with your life? Y'all got that? So I'm ready for a more refined use. Oh, hello, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for somebody to drive me now to go get used by God. Amen. Whatever. Hello, somebody. Praise God. You know, I'm waiting on the season where I get the car that somebody got to drive it. Because <laughs> I don't drive no more. Hello, somebody. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be nice. <laughs> Amen. Well, listen, we want to open up. If you all have any questions, we give the Lord. Let's give the Lord thanks for the preceding word. If you all have any questions, I want to take the balance of our time and address any questions you may have at this time. Anyone at all.